Welcome back. Today we are going to talk about um, some more um, information and some more support as it relates to coping with all of the everything. <laughs> I guess that's just the only way to say it, coping with everything. Uh, yeah, coping we, with COVID, coping with um, you know, the, the social unrest, coping with the impending election, coping with everything. Yeah, we keep saying that we're going to move beyond COVID. You know, we're going to talk about other things. Right. And we sort of are talking about two things today, but it is about COVID. And the reason it's about COVID is we, every week we keep um, encountering people really struggling with the, yeah. um, the, the, the difficult circumstances that this virus um, is imposing on us. Right. You know, that, that there's talk right now. You remember the um, Spanish flu epidemic of 1918? One of the problems was when it came back in the summer, it, it occurred in 1918, 1919, when it came back, it, it had mutated. Mm -hmm. And so now there's talk that COVID-19 may have mutated and it could be in a more virulent form. And so this, this um, um, you know, we now have reached the 200,000 mark, 200,000 people have died. Um, nobody's talking about that anymore. It should be a cause for concern, but nobody's talking about that. And so the, the topic of COVID continues to insinuate itself into our life. So we thought, well, it's, and this, this article is a little bit, um, somewhat of a different take on how we might manage the stress. One way or another, all of us are feeling stress. Um, right. You know, you talk, no matter who you talk to, parents are feeling a certain kind of stress, the elderly, those who are living alone, um, single people, working people, people who have jobs, people who have lost their jobs. So everybody's struggling. Most everybody is struggling in some way or another with this with this stress. And last week we talked about COVID fatigue and, right. and the toll that it's taking. So this article is about let's take another look at the stress we're feeling and what we might be able to do about it. A little bit different approach. Well, what I what I also like is that it just so happened that we found this article and last week you you alluded to locus of control and right. that is something that this author talks a lot about. Um, and it, but it also addresses some of the issues that we have voiced and, and have continued repeatedly to talk about mm -hmm. with, you know, self-help um, and, and sort of cognitive behavioral therapy in general. Um, some of those concerns with, well, just, um, you know, just, just fake it till you make it or just, um, you know, just put your, don't think about it or just do this or just do, that's difficult for a lot of people. And I, I like the way that this author kind of addresses some of those um, issues. Right, yeah, we've had many, many people, and I'm sure you've experienced the same thing, who cognitive behavioral therapy is a powerful tool. Yeah. But if, if, you, if you just ask people to change their thinking, most people are not gonna be able to do that. I mean, it doesn't make sense to them. What do you, uh, they, we don't, they don't, they're not even sure what we're talking about when we say, well, just change your thinking and that'll change your world. Right. It's not quite that easy. It's like change your behavior. Changing your behavior is not, not an easy thing to do, especially if it's something you've been doing for many years. Um, but, but the other thing we like about this article is that um, it is about uh, it is about taking control of your life. And when we talk to uh, the people we see in our practice, we talk to them about, look, you have to eat properly, you have to sleep properly, you have to exercise, you have to, you have to assume some control of your life. You just can't, 
You can't have bad habits and expect medication to take care of it. You right. are responsible for your own health, both mental and physical. And this article sort of speaks uh, to the issue in that way. So it's consistent with, with the uh, kind of work that we like to do. Absolutely. I, I was just talking with somebody in this past week about, um, they were talking about medication for, for depression and how, you know, how effective it is. And uh, we were talking about how, you know, medication does one thing, but the, the goal is something different than what medication can provide. You know, right. we want to be able to manage the symptoms. We want to be able to, you know, have some agency and control in, in, um, in, our, in our lives. And medication makes us, sort of gives the illusion of that. Exactly. Um, but it doesn't really provide that. And so, right. um, again, it, we're going to kind of touch on some of that today. Right. Yeah, medication provides symptom reduction, symptom relief, but that's just the beginning of a, of a larger process. And it's that larger process that he talks about in this article. Absolutely. So he, t he begins by, what is, what is the stress that we're facing? And he says, you know, stress can be a motivator, but it can also be a crushing burden. And um, he talks about Alexander Solzhenitsyn. You don't remember him because it probably happened before you were born, right? Right. Remember Alex? You don't remember him. Yeah, I was, I was a teaching and you were not born yet. And um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a Russian, he was a Russian intellectual, but he was also a Russian dissident. And he ended up spending eight years in their uh, prison camp system. Mm -hmm. And the prison camp system in Russia is called a gulag, G-U-L-A-G. And it's a string of these work camps in Siberia. And the interesting thing about Siberia is that it's so far away. Russia's an enormously uh, uh, big country. And when you were sent to these work camps, there were no bars or cells right. because there was no place to go. You know, there was like 3,000 miles. So if you want to take off, go ahead, but you're going to die within a right. few days. And so, but these gulags were work camps. And uh, he was, he was um, uh, consigned to one of those. He was arrested and imprisoned for some writing that he had done. And um, he, he uh, to survive, to maintain his freedom, he decided that he would double the amount of wood that he was supposed to chop. So the, his, right. his jailer said, you have to do this much. And he said, well, I'm going to do this much, which was a way of maintaining his control. I, I can't control where I am. I can't control the weather. I can't control that I'm a prisoner. But I do have this capacity. I can exercise this freedom. And, and you see, you hear many of these same stories from the, uh, in, uh, the uh, uh, prison camps, uh, in uh, the concentration camps in World War II. Uh, those who survived said they never gave up. You know, they, they continued to exercise agency and never give up. So that's what this is about. So how do you, but the, but the issue is how do you exercise agency in the face of enormous stress and certainly being in a gulag right. is enormous stress. Right, well, and you know, another person that talked a lot about that was um, Viktor Frankl, who was a um, very well-known um, psychiatrist who was in um, some of the Jewish um, concentration yeah. camps um, mm -hmm. during World War II. And um, you know, he, he talked about all the challenges that he experienced, um, but how he, you know, kept going and survived and how the other people, some of the other people with him who survived, um, again, very, very motivating and, and very inspirational as it relates to that whole idea of you're, you're, you, you have these life circumstances that you can't change. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. But even within something that you can't change, you can still have some agency, you can still have some internal locus of control. 
Right. right. I mean, and I think that that's really important because with that sense of locus of control, that internal sense of locus of control, um, that's how we can overcome some of the distress and feelings of being overwhelmed and depression and anxiety and things. Right. When we feel as though we have some control, we, we can overcome some of those issues. Right. So here we have a situation with this pandemic where all of us are feeling some, some level of stress, some mm -hmm. level of discomfort. And when, uh, when, when animals, humans or, or other species, are faced with a stressful situation, especially a life-threatening situation. Right. He says, this author said, we have four choices, mm -hmm. fight, flight, uh, fold, which he says, give up and die. Fold to him means give up and die. So you have flight, fight, fold. But the other one is to seek protection. He said, the difference with humans is we have a fourth option. And the fourth option is we can seek protection was help from somebody to relieve us of this burden. He said, the problem, however, is that we believe that protection comes from someplace else. It comes right. from, you know, an outside source. And he, he mentions, a, you know, like dictators or authoritarian leaders who um, they, they promise to protect us from enemies, okay? When, when Hitler took over power, he's gonna protect us from the Russians. And so that's very appealing because people start to feel safe that this leader can protect us from, from our enemies or our problems. So the, the leader will solve our problems. They call him Fuhrer, the leader. You know, they, he, he could solve our problems. And so we have this tendency to look outside ourselves. In our field, people who have this idea that protection comes from the outside will um, search for Medicaid, they'll seek medications. Okay. In other words, I have a problem, so I have to take this medication. I have, I have ADHD, so I have to take this medication. And as we said earlier in the introduction to the program, the medication is simply a step in a larger process, in a right. larger process, that the medication will give you symptom reduction that, that then allows you to do the things that you need to do. And what he talks about here is, what do you need to do? Right. And, and, and if you think just in, in general terms, what that means is... Um, when you're seeking that shelter, that support from someone else, what you are in essence saying is, I can't do it myself. Right. I need someone else to do it. Right. Um, and, and in some ways, um, getting the help from someone else is, right. I guess, getting help from someone else is one thing. Believing that somebody else is going to take care of it for you is something very different. Um, and, you know, right. when we work with uh, patients, we aren't solving their problems for them. You know, a lot of times, Richard, I know that you've experienced this as well. People will come in and they'll say, you know, fix me, you know, right. make mm -hmm. this better, make this go. I, I can't do that. No. Um, I can give you some tools. I can give you some strategies and some skills so mm -hmm. that you can do it. Right. But I don't, you know, there's 168 hours in a week. You're right. with me for one of those. Right. That's right. I can't fix the other 167 hours. That's right. That's up to you. You have to work and do do the do the um, do the task. So um, you know when we when we seek that shelter, if we have to be careful the perspective that we have, mm -hmm. so that we don't just focus on this person is going to solve my problems, this person is going to protect me, um, and instead say uh, I need some some support, some assistance, but it's still my responsibility. Again, that's that internal locus of control.
Exactly. I can explain what you're experiencing. I can explain your diagnosis. I can explain why you're feeling the way you're feeling. And I can tell you what other people have done to relieve those symptoms or to deal with it. But there's no, I don't have a pill. I don't have a bag. Nobody does. Nobody has a pill or a bag or a, 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 a set of strategies that if you do this, this will happen. It's, it's using these things to change, um, to change your, your, whole, um, your whole life. Okay. Right not just a single set of symptoms. And so, um, so th this idea that I can, that if I'm feeling some sort of distress, that all I have to do is go into a, a store and pull something off a shelf, you know, that like this pill will do the trick. And so I go into the store or today, I guess you would order it on Amazon and have it delivered to your home. And then you, you take this pill or, or this medicine and suddenly things get better. And, it just doesn't work that way. That's a very 21st century Western perspective. Right. To, to, that, to take a pill. Yeah, that, um, there, that there's something that's going to magically make it go away. Right. And, and people will live in these extraordinarily stressful circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I told, you, I told you about one of the places where I worked where it was such a toxic environment that almost everybody there had eventually sought medical treatment mm -hmm. in order to come to work every day. Well, the problem isn't, the problem is the environment that you're in. Okay. Right. And we, we, we did a podcast on it before where we talked about the, the idea that people would rather take a medication to, to decrease the distressing symptoms than they would in changing the things in their lives that are causing the distressing symptoms. Right. I hate my job so much that I have to take antidepressants in order to go to get out of bed every day. Well, the problem is not depression. The problem is you're, you're, doing, you're doing something that, that you're not suited. Right not suited for. So, um, so this idea that, and, and the other extreme, so we have one group that says, if I take this medication, and there's a lot of other people, and I struggle with this because there are a lot of other people who say, well, what you're experiencing is, what you experience doesn't matter, right. okay? Uh, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. As long as you have these, that you develop this mental, you do this mental gymnastics or you rethink things and you, you just think about things differently, that it's not really a threat, it's really this, that you'll be able to manage all of your circumstances. And as you said earlier, that's kind of a fantasy world, you know, that, that just pretend that it doesn't exist or just say that, well, nothing happened, nothing that's happening out there is really real. Well, newsflash, COVID is real, okay? Right. And, and you can't just ignore it Right. Because COVID insinuates itself into our lives in, in, in many different ways. Right. And so you have to, what, what this author says is, you, have, you can't take either one of these extremes that I can take a pill or I can change my thinking, okay, right. and, and everything will be better. Um, rather, he says, you have to balance, you have to find some balance between what's going on in my world right. and what can I do about it. Right. Yeah, now, so, we can't do anything about COVID. Right, right. Simply saying, well, you know, that's not real. I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to wear masks because I don't believe that, that COVID is real. That's, that's not realistic. It's destructive. Right. It's, um, it's dangerous. And right. not just to yourself, but to other people. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we are, we do live in a society where we have to you know, well, we do have to think about ourselves, but we also have to think about other people and how our actions and our intentions influence and affect other people. Um, whether, whether we like it or not, we have to That's think right. about that. 
Um, yeah, what we're what we're dealing with right now with this virus, this virus is it doesn't care about anything. It just is okay. Right. And so we have to we have to understand what we're dealing with. You have to say, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. And to say that, as, as you, I think that's an excellent point that you make. To say, well, it does it's a hoax or it doesn't exist. Okay, it does exist. Okay, two hundred thousand people have died. Millions have gotten sick. So the virus does exist. So you have to begin with, with acknowledging and understanding what's going on in the world where you live. And right now, what's going on is this worldwide pandemic. Right. And so we can't simply say, well, I'm going to pretend that it doesn't exist and do these things like not wear a mask. That's not, that's not exercising your freedom. That's not solving your problem. What right. solves your problem is I acknowledge, I understand this virus and I understand that it's causing me discomfort. What can I do about my discomfort? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and we, and so, we, right, we have to balance between these two. Um, right. uh, you know, on one hand, we have to look at it realistically, but on the other hand, we have to, um, as that um, the initial example was, we have to figure out how we can exert some control over right. this situation. And, and I think that the, the, a great example of that has been, um, has been with the masks, actually. Mm -hmm. You know, when you think about how frustrated so many people are with having to wear masks, and even the challenges associated with having kids wear masks at school, you know, right. how do we overcome that? Well, we overcome that by, by creating masks that, you know, express something about yourself. Um, and so we have masks with Pokemon on it. We have masks with that, that have, you know, that make it look like a mouth of some other animal or something. But we have, and we have different characters and different things and sayings and everything on them. But we're personalizing the masks to make them, I have to wear this, right. but here's how I'm going to express myself, even though I have to do something that I don't really want to do. Right, right. You know, um, six or, let's see, what is this? Almost October. Um, six months ago, everybody was worried about, you know, college football is something akin to a religion in this country. Right. And so everybody, especially in the Southeast, was worried about what was going to happen during football season. Where are we going to have a football season? How do you do this in the pandemic? Right. And at first they said, we're not going to have a season. And then they said, well, maybe we'll have a season. And there's maybe a partial season. And so I was watching some games yesterday just to see what, what, how they were managing it. And the thought struck me that there was a time when wearing a mask seemed so foreign and so bizarre. And so, and we were kind of embarrassed when we, when we, for, we were early adopters, you and I recognized that we, right. we know something about virology and um, we knew that we had to protect ourselves. So we wore masks when many people weren't wearing them. Right. And it felt very, very odd. You know, yes. to, to be in a mask and people would tease you and they would say, oh, that doesn't really work or you don't really need that or look at us, we can do it without masks. And there was some embarrassment attached to it. Then you watch, um, you watch a college football game. The referees have masks, the coaches have masks, the players have, you know, the players take them off to play, but then, they're, then they can put them up when they're on the sidelines. And so it doesn't seem so odd anymore that right. people wear masks, okay? Because we have, we have made this adjustment to right. the reality of this virus. And, th and that's what he's asking us to do is kind of think about this virus and treat it with some respect. 
Right. And, and, and as you said, the, the very first thing that you have to do is that you have to embrace reality. It, it doesn't, this isn't, um, you're not going to wish it away. Um, it, it's, it's very real and right. we have to accept that. Right. Yeah. If, if you're, if you're an elected official, you might want to, you know, be optimistic and talk about, we're going to have, a, we're going to have a vaccine and we're going to have this and we're going to have that. And so you try to, you try to minimize uh, panic and all that stuff. But, but the reality is this virus isn't going anywhere. Not, not, not in the, in the short term anyway, we're going to be doing that. We're going to be dealing with this for the rest of the year. So we're facing a formidable enemy with this virus and uh, we're going to be in it for the long haul. Mm -hmm. And so it raises our stress levels. Right. So, so just as Solzhenitsyn did when he looked at his situation and said, I can't do anything about this, mm -hmm. so, but I can do something about this, okay? So how do you turn, how do you, how do you make stress a motivator rather than a crushing burden? I don't want anybody to give in to this virus and say, this is hopeless, right. my life is a mess, my life is in ruins, I just can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Certainly you don't want to take that approach. You can't flee. Where are you going to go? Every country has the virus. You can't flee. You can't fight against it. You can you can protect yourself from it, but you can't really fight against it. We can't. Uh, virologists, you know, uh, specialists in this field They're can working. develop vaccines and things, but that's not something that most of us are going to be able to do. So so where do so where do we seek our protection? And how do we turn this? How do we turn it into an opportunity? And that that's a strange word to use, but. That's what Solzhenitsyn did. That's what Viktor Frankl did. That's what um, the survivors do. How do, how do you how do you turn it into um, a um, an opportunity? And what he says, what we have to do is we have to we have to turn this into a sustainable and stable right. opportunity, right. not not just covered over, but it has to be sustainable. We have to be able to do it long term. And it has to be stable. It can't come and go. If we're going to do something, it has to be sustainable and stable. So how do we do that? Well, by embracing reality right. and by taking some actions. And the actions that we take, and, and let me say one thing. He calls this, and I put it in my two hands, like two folders. Yeah. calls this the dialectic art. And dialectic is a logic that we use, a, a thinking process. And the art is to manage these two extremes of reality plus what I can do. And, and to think about, that is to perform this dialectic, to think about how I can solve this problem. What can I do? Okay. Because it, this is a logical thinking mental process that we have to go through. That's what separates us from other species is that other species, when they're stressed, when they're in danger, they react instinctively. And so they run or they fight or they die. Okay. And you think of the lion going after the zebras. Okay. The, the zebras either run away or they fight back or they die. Humans have another option. We can do any of those three things, but we have another option and that is to seek protection. And that protection comes in the form of doing something about it. Okay? Right. Right. What I like about this article is he ends it in two ways. One is, what might we do to protect ourselves rather than giving in? Right. Okay, we can't fight, we can't flee. How do we protect ourselves? What can we do? And so he, he said there are five things you can do. And, right. and you've posted this 
um, article, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, the link is in the show notes. But you, you can see these five questions. First one is, what will you start? Yeah. We've talked about these things before, but he said, are, what are you gonna start? Are you gonna start a new practice? Are you gonna start a new job? Are you gonna, a new, a new um, uh, further your education, a new habit, a new area? I talked to a guy yesterday, uh, we were watching the, a tennis match and he said, you know, one of the things I've always wanted to do is to learn Spanish. He said, I think I'm going to take this opportunity to find, he said, I have a little bit of extra time, right. you know, we're at home more. He said, I think I'm going to take this time and I'm going to, I'm going to use it to learn Spanish. What that's, that's making, that's the dialectic art. That's making a decision that's better for you. Yeah. So you, what can I start? And then the second question is, what can I stop? Right. There yeah. And, and we've talked about it these kinds of things before mm -hmm. that, you know, this is an opportunity to do and create some change, right. um, whether you start something new or um, stop something that you're wanting to, to, to stop. Um, right. You know, this is a great opportunity to do that. It doesn't, you can do that despite um, COVID. You can do that despite wearing a mask. When you go to the store, you can do that in, in this time of complication. Mm -hmm. You can do both of those things. Right. That's right. And, and that's, that's one of the places where you should be thinking about if you really want to turn this into an opportunity, what you have to start thinking about, what do I want to do? What do I want to start doing? Or what do I want to stop doing? Maybe you're in a, maybe you're in a bad relationship, okay? This would be a good time since your life is in sort of upheaval anyway. This would be a good time right. to either end that relationship or change that relationship. How about a bad habit? How about a bad habit? Quit smoking or um, quit screaming, quit getting angry, quit expressing, quit kicking the dog. You know, what, I mean, this would be a good time to redo all that stuff. Or maybe you just want to change a limiting belief, the, the I can't, um, right. many of us carry around. Okay. So what can I start? What can I stop? Third, what and, and can right I embrace? To, right to this new one, right? This third one is that what can I, what, what will you do? What will you embrace? And, right. and you know, accepting some things. Right. Um, you know, accept the idea that we don't have control over some of these things in our That's life. Right. Yeah. This is a good time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is a good time to learn that you don't have as much control as you think you have. Mm -hmm. You know, you think you're in complete control. We all think that we're in complete control. Then this tiny little invisible virus comes in and we learn we don't have a lot of control. There are a lot of other things going on that can upset this idea that you're in control of things. Right. And this tiny little virus. Uh, did that to an entire world, to the whole world. Right. And as you embrace some of those things, you're going to find that there's things that you can let go of. And that's the, that's the fourth one. Fourth you know, one. You, can be, you can be really angry about all of that. Mm -hmm. You can be really upset about all of that. Um, or you can let it go. You can let go of the idea that I have to have control over all of these things. Right. As soon as you embrace the realization that you don't have control over all those things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we all have people in our life that we've stopped speaking to because they made us angry about something. Mm -hmm. You know, do we really want to, do we really want to end that relationship? If, if you really should, then I guess you should. But maybe this is an opportunity to somehow uh, mend broken relationships. You know, right. maybe, maybe this is the time that I want to do that. So that would be another very good thing to do. It comes right. under that heading of what can I let go of? You can let go of all that anger. You can let go of all that all that being offended, being disrespected, let go of that stuff and, and start enjoying your life. Yeah. And the last one, um, 
what does the world, what did the, was it, what does the world need from you today? Or what do other people need from you today? Right. Um, how will you make this an opportunity to start something that you've been procrastinating about? You know, that I have a, man, I have a list of things that I have put on hold uh, right. throughout my life, you know, that I wanted to do or I wanted to learn or I wanted to accomplish. Right. And I keep putting them on hold because we're too busy or to, or to this or we're too that, which reminds me of something that I've been needing to talk to you about. Um, somebody, what, what is a meme again? A meme is one of those things that appears on the, right? So I saw this meme the other day and it was, are we sure we want to return to the life that we left before right. COVID? You know, I mean, uh, overscheduled, overworking, not sleeping, being stressed, you know, do we really want to go back to that? It's true. Right. It's true. right. And yeah. so number five sort of struck that chord is, do, do I really want to go back to those days or maybe I ought to redo some things, remake some things, make well, a better place? Not just that, but, you know, I mean, even if you can even go more simple with, um, I mean, many people have a stack of books that they want to read and you keep yeah. putting that off. Um, many people have, you know, something that you need to, you need to clean out their garage or you need to do, you know, clean out the closet or something. We procrastinate on those things because life is so busy. There, there are so many other things to go to happen. This is an opportunity to do that. Right. Maybe it's time to say what I was doing before was kind of hectic and crazy and out of control. And maybe it's time that, I sort of take a new look at all these things, a fresh look and say, wait a minute, there must be a better way to do this. Um, I have a pile of papers at home, probably would, if you stack them up, it'd be a five or six feet of papers that I, are there on the bottom shelf of a bookcase. Yeah. I think it's time, you know, I think it's time, clean them out, get rid of them, take care of this stuff. That would make my life better. Yeah, just doing that simple thing would yeah. make my life better. That's I'd like it. to learn Spanish, but that's a, that's a bigger bite. Okay. That's right. So he ends this article with a, with a fascinating, this is one of those nice little moments. It's not a thunderclap. It's not a, it's not a, um, um, uh, an existential view, it, but it's a nice reminder. It's a, it was a, a little bit of a wake up, a little ding in my ear. Mm -hmm. um, the serenity prayer, which everybody knows, especially yeah. from, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, right. and we all know it, we all say it. It was first articulated by a theologian by the name of Reinhold Niebuhr, mm -hmm. Bauer, some people say Niebauer, um, and it, um, it begins with, um, the, this prayer has been altered. Right. It now is, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. That's typically what people recite. Mm -hmm. When he first wrote that prayer, it was, Father, give me the courage to change what must be altered. Right. Serenity, serenity to accept what can't be helped and the insight to know the one from the other. His begins with courage. Right. The original prayer was courage first and then acceptance, okay? Why it changed, I'm not sure, but the original prayer was courage. So this, confronting this crisis yeah. is done with courage, okay? Not just accepting what I can't, I can't do anything about it. No, you begin with courage. Mm -hmm. And I go back to Solzhenitsyn, he began with courage. Frankel began with courage, okay? 
It's all about having courage and knowing what and when to accept and what and when to change. Okay. Because acceptance requires courage. Right. That's right. And 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 you have to you have to begin with locus of control that I can. You know, this is my issue to resolve. It's my problem to solve. So right. I have to have the courage to solve the problem. Right. Yeah. It, it, there's. Um, yeah. There's there's so much more that we could draw from all of this because it, it is courage. It, it's what Brene Brown talks about with vulnerability. You know, you have to be willing to accept, you know, I can't, I can't do anything about this. And that means that I have a limitation right. and that, that requires a lot of vulnerability to accept that you don't have the ability to change and control everything. Um, yeah. So we can pull from all of these different researchers and philosophers and theorists um, but it, but it does come down to, we have to have the courage first. Right. Right. You know, when you said, I can't do anything about this, it made me think of the election year and all the complications and the issues that have arisen during this very unusual election year. And people get really worked up about politics, either, either, this is a very, this is a very young, um, divisive people people hate trump or they love trump okay so it's a, but it's very divisive it's very uh, two poles and and people get angry and they get worked up and they get you know but you're right i can't do anything about this i i i, I don't have the capacity alone i can vote okay and i can express myself there but i really can't do anything about who he selects for the supreme court replacement I know that's not part of my world, okay? It affects me, but I can't do anything about that. Mm -hmm. And so I accept the fact, I have to begin by accepting the fact. Once I accept that, now I have the responsibility to, to, to do what I can do right. to make my life better, okay? Right. I can't do anything about his Supreme Court pick, but I can do something about my garage. Right. And that's, that's where we have to live our lives. How do I make my life better? How do I make my family's life better? How do I get more education? How do I change my career? What can I do for me and my family and my community? You could even go out to the community. There's plenty of stuff that we can do in our neighborhood or our community or our state. Yep. There we have some influence. Yeah. We're not gonna affect the Supreme Court pick. So stop getting angry about it and start focusing on what you can do for yourself, for your family and for your career. Definitely, definitely. So, check out the article. Um, it's in the sh the link is in the show notes. Uh, it's, a, it's a great read. Um, you may have to read it twice, um, but it's, it's it's good information um, and certainly a good perspective as we're all dealing with this. So, right. Yeah, we're all this thing. Yeah, yeah. We're all dealing with it in one way or another. So here's some more good advice. Absolutely. So, well, that's it for today. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid. Mm -hmm.